You know, last week I was, I started what I called paid for. And then we talked about how God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We looked at Galatians chapter 3, 13, 14, and verse 25. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Will you guys say that with me? Say, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us. There's a redemption that he gave to us or made for us. And so we looked at that last week, and of course I I gave the analogy of of when you go to a store, you wouldn't pay, uh, pay for things that were already paid for. If someone gave you a, a coupon, thank you guys, gave you a coupon or gave you a, um, you know, something for free, you wouldn't pay for what was already paid for. And so we talked about the things that Christ has redeemed us from. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, of course, comes from the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. And we talked about all that. Go back and listen to last week's message. You can catch it on YouTube, podcasts, and all those things. Now, today, I want to dive a little bit further into those things. We talked about the, the three things that God has redeemed us from. And I'm going to kind of hit this quick and then, and then go somewhere else with this that's on my heart. But I wanted to kind of wrap this up so that, we, you know, that I was clear because last week I kind of ran out of time. Number one, we are redeemed from the curse of poverty. We're redeemed from the curse of poverty. If you were to study Deuteronomy, you were to study the curse of the law, as I talked about last week, there are many things that, that would happen when you would sin. And so we talked about that, about how when you sin, that you would have to pay a price or you would have to um, um, provide a, a sacrifice, either bird or lamb or whatever it was, you'd have to provide a sacrifice to make an atonement for your sins. And that when Jesus died, He literally became atonement for us. He was atoning everything on the cross. What did he redeem us from on the cross? What did he redeem us from? Three things. The curse of poverty, the curse of sickness, and the curse of spiritual death. We talked about poverty last week, but just to wrap it up, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 says this. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. You know, bodily exercise, he's given us an example here because he was talking to Timothy, Paul was talking to Timothy, and he was clarifying that, you know, in that day and age, there were men and women who were um, athletes, just like we have today, and they would literally, just like today, they would train all day long. They would train all the time. Some, you know, I could use a little bit more training myself. I could use a little bit more gym time. I don't know about anybody else. I could use a little bit more. I probably should get in the gym. Every time I I get out on the soccer field on Saturdays, they were making fun of me yesterday because uh, the other team, I guess it's fall break this weekend, and so parents and families are traveling, and uh, the the other coach and the other assistant coach were gone. Well, and when you're coaching three and four-year-olds in soccer, you are the coach you are the chief encourager, and you are, you are the ref, you are the umpire, you're the mitigator, you do everything. You're, you're, you're saving the ball, you're the, end, the, the line judge, you do it all. Well, because of, of the way it worked out, I just put all the kids on one field, and I coached both teams, because we didn't want to cancel a game, and I coached both teams on, both, on one field, and man, I ran all over that field. By, by halftime, I mean, it's only like seven-minute quarters. 
by halftime, I mean, after 14 minutes, I, I was done. I was done. But there's nobody else to pass it to, nobody else to give it to. And all the parents are just laughing. They're on the sidelines just laughing, just, you know, having a fun time watching me struggle. I know I need a little bit more exercise myself. But, you know, it says here in, in 1 Timothy, bodily exercise only profits a little. You can see it. You can see what it profits, so you can see your body improve, you can see your muscles grow, you can see your fat go away, you can see all those things, so it's, it, 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 and, and there are obviously um, other things, you can, you can go with um, um, jobs, you can immediately see money come in as you work, as you do things, you see money come in, but it still only profits a little, it still only profits a little, um, um, there are plenty of things that we do as human beings that only profit a little, what profits a lot? Godliness is profitable to all things. Godliness is profitable to all things. So God redeemed us from the curse of poverty. Uh, um, other scriptures that we can look at that I've got here in my notes somewhere. Of course, the Bible says that he became poor so that you could become rich. I'll just tell you from memory. He became poor so that you could become rich. Now, some people struggle with that. Because they say, okay, well, uh, of course that means Jesus became spiritually poor and, you know, we're not, we're not to be, you know, living lavish lifestyles or whatever. I didn't say you have to live a lavish lifestyle, but you shouldn't be living in lack. You shouldn't be living in lack because he became poor so that you might become rich. What is my definition of rich? And I stole this from Pastor Steve, my pastor. More than enough. See, some people get, get, get all weirded out when you talk about being rich in church. They're like, now, wait a second. We got to bear up our cross now. We got to, you know, and I don't know why those people were a country like that. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I just picked an accent. I picked an accent. But no, but they, they, they might say, I've heard it my whole life. I've heard people say that now. Oh, well, but God wouldn't really, you know, um, um, he, he wouldn't really want you to have all that. Well, if he didn't, then why does it say that he became poor so that you might become rich? Because he wasn't spiritually poor. As a matter of fact, he had the spirit without measure. So he wasn't spiritually poor and he did not become spiritually poor. He atoned, he took on our sin, he bore our sickness. We'll read that in Isaiah in a second. He bore all that on the cross, but he became poor so that you don't have to be poor. So that you don't have to be in lack, so that you can have more than enough. What's the second thing? He redeemed us from the curse of sickness. The curse of sickness. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, and I should have that pulled in if you guys want to put that on the screens. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We are, if you have a Bible that you can write in, scribble in, highlight, I encourage you, take that line that says, we are healed, and underline it. Highlight it, mark it up, because we weren't, we, it's not like we're going to be healed. We, we were healed. We, we are healed. And so that's a kind of a struggle for some people to wrap their head around because they, they, we live in a world that has sickness. When Adam and Eve sinned, just to recap a little bit more from last week, when Adam and Eve sinned, literally the devil became, the, the, like, like they sold their birthright as a way to put it, right? They sold their rights over to the devil. So they had no sickness and disease. They didn't know what that was. You know, when Jesus, 
I mean, when God came down and he was looking for Adam, y'all remember that in Genesis? He was looking for Adam. Adam hid himself. Adam hid himself. Why did he hide himself? Because he knew that he had messed up. He was now seeing things. He, did, he had never even realized he was naked. He didn't even realize. I mean, he was oblivious to the fact that he had a body that didn't have clothes on it that could be hurt and be injured. Why do you put clothes on? Why do you, to protect yourself and guard yourself from different things. He wasn't even aware of those things. He became aware at that moment. He brought in, he and, and Eve brought in sickness, disease, death, destruction. And we'll get to that in a second when we talk about spiritual death. But here in Isaiah, we know that not only did Jesus die for our sins, of course we know that. He atoned for our sins. Because of what Jesus did, we can live forever in heaven. But he also died so that we don't have to be sick. He died so we, he redeemed and removed the curse of sickness. Let me tell you this, Acts 10, 38. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to know who God is, this is like one of the most clear scriptures. Of course, we have John 10, 10 that says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. That's probably the clearest scripture, but I love this one too, because Acts 10 38 says how God anointed, who did the anointing? God. God did. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing what? Doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God went around with Jesus. He was with him. The Spirit was with him. He healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. He went around doing good. And you know what else Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Now, how could God give us sickness and then send Jesus to take it away? Unless he was taken away so that we didn't have to live with sickness. Jesus was showing us, he went around showing us, look, this is what, this is what I want for you. This is what I want for you. Stop, I'm going to say what I said last week, stop paying for things that I've already paid for. I guess he was about to pay for. He was setting a precedent. He told his disciples, you'll do greater things than me. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, when I lay hands on people, you know, here in this building, we don't have carpet down here. And I've been real careful with COVID. I haven't even laid hands on people much at all. But typically in this building, just so y'all know, when I lay hands on people, I typically do it at their seat. Because sometimes people, when they, when they get touched by God, they'll fall out. Y'all might have seen that depending on your church upbringing. I had never seen that before. But I saw people get touched when I came to Family Worship Center. And they would fall out under the anointing of God. They were just, they were just kind of, it's like they couldn't stand up. So they, couldn't, they, they had gotten touched by God to the point where their knees gave out or their body just kind of couldn't handle it. And so they fell out. Well, um, in, in, at FWC Florence, there's carpet areas up here. And so it doesn't hurt. I don't want anybody falling on carpet, on concrete. Amen? And so I, put, I, I just usually pray for people at their seat. It just works out well for me here. But it's, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. So Acts 10, 38, we see that. I want to move on so I can wrap up. So spiritual... Death is the last thing that Jesus uh, uh, redeemed us from. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. This is Genesis 2.17. For in that day, you sh then the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is what God told Adam and Eve. When you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
in that day you will surely die. Now we've all read the story. Did Adam and Eve die at that moment? They did not die the same death that we talk about. But they died spiritually. There was a spiritual death. And because of their spiritual death, it ended up bringing about the natural death. The natural death that you and I will experience one day, it is appointed unto man once to die. We all going to die. At some point or another, we all are going to leave this body and be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. When we do, what goes with what goes? Our spirit does. We are a spirit. That's who you are. If you're watching online, you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You live in a body. This is not the real you. This is just an earth suit. This is just an earth suit. You have a soul, which helps us interpret everything that's going on. Your soul is kind of the in-between thing, right? Because your soul helps you interpret, okay, my body is feeling this way. I'm hungry. When you get hungry, your body does things, your organs do things, and your mind goes, I'm hungry, I need to eat. And then that's when your will comes in because then you will to go eat. You want to go eat. Well, what do you want to eat? And then if you're married in here, you know that it takes about 45 minutes to figure out a place where you're going to go eat. Come on. That's the best truth I preached all morning right there, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but um, that's your soul. That's your soul. But your soul also works the other way because your soul also helps determine when God speaks to me in my spirit, because that's how God speaks, my soul is, the, is, is what helps put it into words, is what helps interpret, is what helps. And so we've got to feed our spirit. This is where I really wanted to go today. We've got to feed our spirit more than we feed our body. Bodily exercise profits a little. It's not that we don't do it. It's that it profits a little. It's, not, it's just that it profits a little. I mean, You know, I could sit all day on Saturday and watch football. I could, but it doesn't really profit much at all. And it would also make my wife probably very upset with me. But now she gives me grace on the Clemson games, praise God. I can can watch those, amen. But anyways, let's keep going here. Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2.1. If you go on to verses 8 and 9, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's nothing you can do in the natural to, to earn what God provided for you. There's nothing we can do in the natural. God provided for us something that, that, that only he could provide, that only he could do, and he did it so that, you know, when, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, it created a place where they could not stand before God. That's why he hid. They could not, you, you cannot be in God's presence. The only way was by Jesus becoming what he did on the cross, by becoming what he did on the cross, by, be, by, become, by atoning our sins on the cross, we could then stand in God's presence. We can have God's presence in this room today. Until that point, until Jesus died, God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. It was in one place. And the Spirit of God would come upon people, but only for certain um, special tasks and things like that. You know, there was a guy who ran faster than a chariot, and it says the, Bible, the, the, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him for that. I mean, that would be great, right? I can see Brother Mike just running faster, just blazing down the road. No, but we... we 
we have things that happen like that in the Old Testament that kind of confuse us sometimes because we think that's how God moves today. No, when Jesus died, he put in, in motion something new, that the Spirit of God was not in, in, in one place. The Spirit of God could roam freely on the earth because now if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that redemption that he provided for you, come on, that redemption that he provided for you puts you in right standing. You become the righteousness of God in Christ. That allows the spirit of God to move in you. You are no longer spiritually dead. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that you become a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What becomes new when you're saved? Your spirit does. When you get saved, your hair doesn't change. Your skin color doesn't change. Your clothes don't change. Your spirit changes. Your spirit becomes new. So what happened? Adam and Eve sinned. They couldn't be in the presence of God. They couldn't have the spirit in them the same way we do. And so man went long time like that. And, and God put things in motion to bring about Jesus so that Jesus could atone. You know, you realize, check this out. You, when you're made, when you're created, you were created with man's seed in a woman's body. All right? Right? Jesus, to be all God and all man, was made in a woman's body, but with God's seed. That's why it's so important that we know that Mary was a virgin. It was God's seed. It was the word of God. The word became flesh. Why is that important? Because in order for him to atone for us correctly, he had to die as a perfect person. That created a place that you and I can have the spirit of God moving in us, moving in our midst. And here's what I want to tell you today. Kind of what I said Wednesday, but I hope in a different light. That if you've got the spirit available to you, why, why aren't you using the Holy Spirit? Why aren't you using the Holy Spirit? Let me, let me read here. Let me read these scriptures and then I'm going to preach for a second. We'll go home. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Or we, we could say they are the sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 14. And then we can actually jump down to verse 16. It says this, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Go back to verse 14 for me, and you can just leave that on the screen for a few minutes while I wrap this up. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. You know, there's a leading that God does in our spirit. He leads us and he guides us. And everything that you need, everything that you need, God provided for. He redeemed for and paid for. No sickness, no poverty, no lack, right? And no spiritual death. Think about that. That I should never be in lack. That I should never be in lack. That I should never be sick. All right? And that I should be obviously spiritually alive. So, and, and that happens at salvation. So if I'm, if I'm that way, if that's who I am, and that, that's who God made me to be, which he has, then I need to walk in the spirit. I need to be led by the spirit. I need to be led by the Spirit of God. I can't be led by my emotions. It's not that we don't have emotions, it's that they, they can't lead me. Because if they do, it's going to lead me back to the things that God redeemed me from. Do you see where we're going with this? 
if, if God redeemed me from things, then why would I, I put myself in a position that goes back to them? Because that's our, that's our nature. That's the sin nature that Adam and Eve brought in. How do you combat that then? Because all of us struggle with that, right? None of us are perfect. If we were all perfect, if we could all hear from God 100% of the time, then, then none of us would have any issues. Then we would know exactly how to receive uh, our healing. We would know exactly how to receive you know, all the provision that we would need, uh, right? So we might have moments, but, but how do we get to, maybe, maybe some of you watching online have never even heard this before. And you're like, okay, I just, I just want to just take step one. I just want to like, I just want to hear from God. Well, number one, you need to turn off things that aren't God. You need to find a place where God can speak to your spirit, where you can listen to your spirit. Now, what does that sound like? It's a still, small voice. Now, God, of course, has, he speaks in, in, in many ways. We know that. We know that we have, that our spirit has a voice, that God has a voice. Uh, many people, I've heard many men of God, great men of God, say that they've heard the voice of God. They've actually heard, you know, very, a very commanding, authoritative voice. Uh, I personally have not heard the voice of God in that way. Now, I've heard God speak through my spirit, though. And it's almost as audible, it's almost like somebody speaking to me. Like I like looked around one time, I remember I was in the sound booth in Family Worship Center Florence, I don't know, probably 13, 14 years ago now. And I had some things going on and I was just back there worshiping God much like we were worshiping today. And I remember I heard God speak a word to me based on what was in my heart and I remember looking around for a second because I thought someone else had said it to me. I thought someone had said it to me. I thought someone had said, you know, it was like behind me or whatever, but it was, the, you know, I was kind of off in the corner. There were people in the sound booth, but they weren't talking. They were running graphics and computers and things. And I was just up there because I was hiding, to be honest with you. I didn't want to, <laughs> I'm just telling you all the truth. I was a kid. I was in college. I, 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 was, I was hiding. I was hiding. I was trying to be up in the booth, but God touched me up in the booth and he spoke to me in the booth. So there are times that God speaks that way. That's just an example. But more often than not, our spirit, if you go to verse 16, if you want to put that back up there, what does it say? That God, his spirit bears witness with my spirit. Some people would even call it your conscience, right? It's a still small voice. How do you have a conscience? What, why, why do you have a conscience? What, what would your conscience be? It would be that, that voice that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. We get hard to that though. See, we, we turn that off. We, if we don't really want to do that, if, if we're more flesh driven, if we're more, if our bodily exercise is all the profit that we're getting, then, then, then we're not going to listen to our spirit because our, our, our flesh side is greater than our spirit side. If you could think of three columns, right? You've got your soul in the middle. So you've got our mind, will, and emotions in the middle. We've got our spirit on this side and our body on this side. There's a war going on between the two. And your, 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 your intellect is trying to put all that together and you're here at church or you're watching online and you're saying, okay, I want to do better and, and I, I, want to, I want to hear from God and I don't want to make mistakes and I don't want to miss it, but then you don't do anything to feed the spirit side. You got to feed the spirit side. You got you to you 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 do things that feed your spirit. Well, what feeds your spirit? The word of God. Hearing the word today even, I always try to share so much scripture because 
The word of God is what builds your faith. Now, as I preach, I pray that revelation comes, but that it's based on the word. It's not going to be man's wisdom or man's knowledge. The stories that I tell and the things that I do are all what I believe God is inspiring me to do so that you get revelation knowledge of his word. Not just of JT or Pastor JT, but of his word. Because that's what's going to make a difference in you. And in that moment, just like you would work out at the gym and your, your, your body muscles get stronger, your spirit is getting stronger. And when you pray, that's why I mentioned earlier during worship, when Jude 1.20 says, building yourself up on the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay, so wait a second. When I pray, my spirit gets stronger? Yep. Yep. How? Because God is feeding your spirit and you're not feeding your other side. And, and again, it's not that we don't have it. You know, God didn't say just forget your body and lay there and be a lame-o the rest of your life until you die. No, he said you got to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. He said that iron sharpens iron. We're to do things together. He said that we're to assemble together. He said that we're to, to help one another, to love one another, to go out and to do all these things. Go out and preach the gospel. Well, how can you do that if you don't use your mouth and you don't travel and you don't go places? You need your body. You need your body. But if all you feed is your body, and y'all know I'm not talking about just just physical things. I'm not just talking about working out. I'm talking about all the other things that we do. I don't think that God is upset with us for doing them. He's not upset with you having monetary things, but the monetary things cannot have you. He's not upset with you having things, but those things cannot have you. You can't allow them to have you. You can't allow them to control you. You can't allow them to overpower you. There's got to be a moment where you say, okay, I sense in my spirit God saying that that's enough of that. We've watched enough TV tonight. We've watched enough of this tonight. We've watched, we've gone enough with there, you know, you know, we watched something the other day. I'll be honest with you. It's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. I, I, we, my wife and I were laughing but as, as they were, as they were sh- saying this stuff, they kept throwing it. It was, like, it was like, as it got funnier, the cussing went up. And I was like, wait a second. And so, of course, you know, we were laughing at the beginning because it was funny and there wasn't any words. And then as the words went up, then we were like, <laughs> and then we're kind of looking at each other and we're like, you're done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, we're done. And we turned off. I don't even, we didn't even finish the movie. I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened. But, it, I, you know, there was just, it was like, we don't, we don't feed ourselves that stuff, so we can only take so much of it because before our spirit was saying, wait a second here, I'm getting overpowered. I, this is this, now you're incringing on my, you know, uh, listen, let's keep, this, let's keep our temple holy. You know, the Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That the spirit of God lives inside of you. So the things that you put in your house, come on, the things that you put in your house are going to affect you. Have you ever gone into a house and you could smell it? Like, like they, they, they had, and I'm not talking bad smells, I'm just saying like, like their house has a smell, right? They cook certain things or they cook with, you can tell a Hispanic household by the, by the, the, the spices that they use. I know because my wife, is, is, her, her family is Hispanic and, and when I go to her grandma's house, it smells different than my house. She's got things in there that smell different. It's not bad. It's just that's how her house is. She put those things in her house. What does your house smell like? What does your temple smell like? 
What are you putting in your temple? What are you putting? What are you feeding your spirit? Because the things that we feed our spirit, the things that we feed ourselves, you know, if you're going to be led by the spirit of God, you've got to be in a position where you can hear God. And if all these other things are overpowering that, what are we doing? Brother Andre, you can, if you can, I know you got kids and stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. I'm going to just wrap up right here. I'll tell you what. We're going to call it quits right there. You know, today, I encourage you. I encourage you just feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Find time this week to feed your spirit. Find time. Make, make a commitment to increase. And I, I'm doing that. Because I want our church to go higher. I want my household to go higher. I want, I want to hear from God on a higher level. I want to go on a deeper. I, I want to see miracles happen. You know, I want, to, I want increase, not just in the natural. I know God provided that for me. And I know that's going to come. But it's going to come because I pursue the spirit. Pursue spiritual things. Pursue spiritual things and pursue, you know, godliness is profitable unto all things.